Thank you. I am honored to be with you. I am a pastor. I've been a pastor for 40 years. I pastor Graceway Bible Church, and that's where I am every Sunday. So I'm teaching each week, and so I don't leave there very often. So it's a treat to be with you today. Um, it's a privilege. This afternoon, I'm going to be teaching a parenting seminar here with Joanne Miller. She and I have written 15 books together. We head up the National Center for Biblical Parenting. The key word about this afternoon is practical. We're going to show you how to take God's truth, biblical, focused on the heart of a child, and we're going to be very practical and give you steps you can use. You go out today to work with your children. Grandparents, parents are welcome uh, to be a part of this time with us this afternoon. I fell in love with the Bible at a young age because my parents were Christians and they loved the Bible and they passed that love on to me. I remember my dad used to hold the Bible in his hands and he would say this. He would say, are you ready? I don't know if it's going to be something big or something small, but God's about to speak. And then he would open the Bible and we would talk. And, and it gave me just such an anticipation. I don't open my Bible anymore. I turn it on. Uh, when, I, when I turn on my Bible now, I... Uh, I have this sense of anticipation that God is going to speak to me. I hope that you have that same anticipation today as we open God's word together and we look at one verse of scripture. And so, Father, we ask that you would speak to us today. We are looking at your word. We believe it to be the authoritative word of God, inspired by you. We take that seriously, and we open our hearts today, Lord, as we look at this one verse and ask you to speak to us through this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. So whether you open your Bible or you turn it on, would you please do so to Romans chapter 12, verse 10. One verse today, and we're going to look at one idea, actually one word we're going to look at today. I'm going to take you on a word study into God's word and uh, look at that. The verse we're going to look at is Romans chapter 12, verse 10, which says, honor one another above yourselves. And we're going to take that one word, honor, and we're going to dig in and try to understand what that word honor means in very practical terms. You see, we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. That It's not just the ideas that are inspired. It's the very words of God, the, the words that are chosen by God to use in, in, the, in, this, uh, in this text, in this passage, are very important. So we want to understand what this word honor means. Now, it's not just found here. In fact, this word honor is found in nine different commands in the Bible. This is just one of them. Let me show you the others. We're to honor God in 1 Samuel 2, honor pastors in 1 Timothy 5, honor widows in 1 Timothy 5, honor marriage in Hebrews 13, honor your body in 1 Corinthians 6, honor governmental leaders in Romans 13, husbands are to honor their wives in 1 Peter 3, and eight times it says that children are to honor their parents. Why eight times? Because that's where I think it's learned, that honor is learned in the home. And when it's learned in the home, then children are able to use it. Adults are able to use this concept elsewhere. It's life skills that happen at home, and we learn those things, the very important things in our families. In fact, there are two words that form the job description for children in God's word, obedience and honor. And I'm convinced that within those two words, God has hidden the secret ingredients for life. That when children learn obedience and honor in life, they learn the secret ingredients that will help them to be successful in life. We have to teach those to children. They don't just automatically learn them. We're going to help them learn them. And I think that if you ask the question, what makes a person successful in life, in relationships, and so on, you're going to come back to the truths taught in obedience and honor. 
In fact, to test this idea of whether uh, that um, hidden within obedience and honor are the secret ingredients to be successful in life, in order to test that, I went to a job performance evaluation form. A job performance evaluation form. You know those forms, those evaluations that take place three or four months after you're on the job. And then they ask questions about you. And I asked this question, what kinds of things would you do well in on that are on the job performance evaluation form if you did well in learning obedience in your home? Here are some of the things on the form. Able to complete a job without being reminded. Able to do tasks without constant supervision. Completes tasks thoroughly. Is persistent. Accomplish the job according to the manager's expectation. Reports to supervisor with progress reports. Manages time effectively. Acts in the best interest of the organization. Completes task in a timely manner. Is punctual. And doesn't use company time for personal business. Imagine a child playing on the iPad when mom said, go and uh, take care of the laundry. <laughs> I just think that, that obedience really teaches a person responsibility. It's those things that we learn in the home that we develop the life skills that we're going to take on uh, in our lives. What about honor? Are the things on the job performance evaluation form that address honor? See, obedience teaches responsibility. Honor is a relational concept. It's how we relate with other people. Here's some things I found. Gets along with fellow employees. Respects the rights of others. Shows a cooperative spirit listens to others, seeks to improve the organization, promotes a team attitude, is courteous with customers and vendors, is pleasant to be around. I think we're going to learn some things today about honor. Honor is this very valuable concept that God teaches us. Certainly it's learned in the home, but it's one in the passage we're looking at today. It's not applied to any people group. It says honor one another above yourself. So we're talking about All of us want to learn honor in our lives. It's a valuable concept. I think honor is customer service brought home. When you think about good customer service, when you go to Walmart or you go to someplace and and they uh, treat you kindly, go, I really like that. They treated me kindly. That's customer service. That's honor. Well, let's teach that at home. Let's bring that home. But let's be people of honor so that we can understand it. Obedience and honor are these key things that we all need. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, yeah, I wish my parents would have taught me that. I didn't really learn a lot of obedience and honor. I understand. That's why God puts us into life, and life is therapy, so we have all this opportunity for us to grow and to develop honor and obedience in our lives. Very important. I think we're going to see, especially in family life, that family life is not just about getting tasks done. There's a whole shift in our parenting when we think about the way we work with children, it's not just about getting the dishes clean and the clothes put away, getting homework done and getting kids off to school, getting kids in bed and buying all the clothes and keeping things. It's not about all that stuff. Those things are just the arena for life skills to develop so that children can learn the things necessary in obedience and honor. Very important concept. But unfortunately, many parents have another philosophy of parenting. This is how mainly people parent today, Christian parents as well as those out in the world. They use a lot of reward and punishment. They use reward and punishment as their primary way to bring about change in a child. It's called behavior modification. It was developed in the 60s and now permeates all the school system and certainly has gone even into the home. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. Let me explain what happened. When you say to a preschooler, clean up your toys and you can have a snack, or an elementary age child, you say, finish your homework and you can go out and play. 
or a teenager, say, clean your room and you can have a friend over. There's nothing wrong with that. But if it's a steady diet of reward and punishment that you give to children continually as a parent, then you're promoting the selfishness inside of their hearts. Kids start asking the wrong questions. You gonna pay me for that? What's the minimum I need to do in order to get my reward? And then we, we raise a whole generation of children that feel entitled. Hey, you owe me something. Or they feel like they're victims in life. It's not my fault, it's everybody else's fault. If everybody else would change, I'd be fine. We must be very careful that we're not just dealing with the behavior, but we're really working on the heart. And that's true for us as adults too. We're not just trying to make our, ourselves look good on the behavior side. We want to look deep into the heart because God is concerned about the heart. I think we're going to see that about honor. That honor is this deep concept that we want to develop in our lives because it values other people. In fact, what I want to do is I want to first just make it clear that there are some problems we have in life, I think, when we don't learn obedience and honor. We can list them. I mean, the person who procrastinates or the person who complains or the person who cuts corners, the person who's dishonest. I mean, what happens in our lives is, is actually tragic and damages our lives when we don't understand these two foundational concepts and what God has packed within them. So that's why it's so important for us to talk about these two subjects. I'm going to talk about one, this idea of honor today. I know some of you are saying, wow, you know, I really didn't, don't understand what this looks like in practical terms. So I'd encourage you to come to the parenting seminar this afternoon. We're going to give you hands-on practical ideas to implement this with your children right away. Not just these ideas I'm talking about today, but many, many more as we talk about the challenges children have today. Well, today what I'd like to do is I'd like, you to take, I'd like to take you into the word honor, and I'd like to do a word study by looking at the places it's used and how it's described and, and, in God's word. In order to do that, I want to take you into the Hebrew word and the Greek word first, because we believe the Bible's inspired, the very words are inspired, that means the letters in the words are inspired, the tenses of the verbs are inspired, that's what we believe when we look at the authority of God's word. So when we look at the Hebrew word, it's, it's in the Ten Commandments, um, Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, if you're looking for it, when it talks about honor your father and mother. And there the word is kavod. Kavod means heavy or important. We need to treat our parents as if they're heavy or important, not fat, but they're, they're important. That's the idea. They're, they're weighty. They're weight in gold, that kind of an idea. Interesting concept, that they're important. In the New Testament, we heard the word timae, and the timae is this word that means value. You see it in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, where it says, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, back there, Exodus chapter 20, with a promise. Oh, there's a promise attached to this word that's very important for us to grasp because we as adults want to grab onto this. This promise that it will go well with you and you will live a good life on the earth is the idea here. So we want to understand these two ideas, uh, this, this one idea about honor, that it means to value or to, to think someone's important. Now, if you look at our Bible verse that we're looking at today, it says, honor one another above yourselves. That means we are considering others, not just ourselves. We're honoring, other, we're thinking they're important or valuable. I think we have to take a little tangent here because sometimes people think that honor is just respect. If we look at the Bible again, in the Greek words for honor and respect, the word respect comes from the word phobos, where we get our word phobia, 
which means fear. Their underlying idea and respect is that we change our behavior because of fear of something. There's a sense of respect that we have for someone. That's the underlying idea. Whereas Timé has a sense of value, and that's why we change our behavior, because of something inside of our hearts. So we value this person. Let's imagine a police officer is crossing people on the street. You might not step off the curb because you fear what this police officer might do to you if you do. That's respect. But value is when you, you, you um, appreciate or you value the person or their office, you value them. And because of that, you don't step off the curb. So both of them are changing our behavior. But honor has this deeper idea of value. So listen to these words from Mark chapter 7, verse 6. When Jesus said this about the Pharisees, he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They had the manners down. They had the respect. They knew what to say, but the heart was in the wrong place. And this is where I think we can all grow today. I think we can all learn more about honor and what it is and how we can treat other people. So if we make a working definition of the word honor, the first thing we're going to come to is this idea that honor means to treat people as special. Just taken from the Hebrew and the Greek words are, we treat people as special. I just want to encourage you, when you go out tomorrow in your day, that you uh, practice honor. Maybe it's when you get up and get kids ready. Maybe when you get to the office. Maybe you go out shopping or whatever you're going to do tomorrow, that you treat people with honor. I think we all need an honor boost in our lives. It does something to us. It does something to others when we practice honor. It changes who we are. We're on a mission. We have an inner sense of obligation to pass honor on and to share it with others. It changes our outlook on our day tomorrow. We're on a mission not just to get things done, but it's the way we treat people that's very important, this idea of honor. So if we go back to our verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 10, we see this honor one another above yourselves. Now, it, we've already talked about the honor, but do this above yourselves. I think we have a problem in that we tend to honor ourselves. I think so many children, they treat themselves as special when they really need to learn how to treat others as special. I think this is at the core root of the sin nature. I think that the sin nature draws us to selfishness. And that's why we need the redemption of Jesus Christ to free us from the power of sin so that we're free to live a life in the spirit and move forward. But the essence of the sin nature is just selfishness. And so we're always battling with that in our hearts to try to overcome that. And it's because of the redemption of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we then can put into practice something like honor. In fact, honor becomes this word that helps facilitate sanctification in our lives. That if we're focusing on honor, we're allowing God to do that deeper work in us so that we're honoring others, not just focusing on our own things, our own self, and so on. I think we all need an honor boost in our lives. It's, that's really what this passage is talking about, and it's very practical in our lives. So the first part of the honor definition is this idea of treating people as special. Let me tell you a story about my son Josh. I have five children, 11 grandchildren. My oldest son Josh, um, when he was between 9 and 11 years old, he uh, played baseball, and I was his baseball coach. And we had a great time together because we partnered together in planning the things we were going to do and talking about players. And, and when we played other teams, we would actually evaluate the other coaching styles because there's a lot of 
dishonor in youth sports today. You've got, uh, you've got coaches yelling at their kids, and you've got coaches yelling at the umpires, and parents are totally out of control, yelling at the other team, the other parents. And, oh, my, bizarre what happens in youth sports. And we had determined we would run our team differently. We wouldn't be yelling at people in an angry way. If we yell something, it would be an encouraging thing. And Josh was an encourager on the, on the field. I remember one particular game when he was 11, a, a very challenging game because it was the playoff game. And we were playing this game ready to go forward in our, uh, in our time. And uh, the other coach was just this mean dude. I'm telling you, he was mean to the core. You could tell by the way he talked on that field. I would not want to be in his family at all. I wouldn't want to be working with him. I wouldn't want to be close to him because he was yelling. He was yelling at his players, and I was feeling so bad for the players. He was yelling at my son, who was the pitcher on our team. He was yelling at me, the other coach. He was yelling at the umpire. I mean, it was just a disaster. And we lost the game. And my son says, boy, if that's what it takes to win, I don't want to win. I won in the family department. I won in the honor department. My son went away from that saying, I don't want to be like that. There's some people who are so out to win that they mistreat other people. But the fun thing about the story is it continued on, and Josh continued to play baseball. Um, in his final year of baseball, they gave out an award to uh, one student who showed um, superior sportsmanship. And Josh was this encourager. People saw this, so he won that award. But the fun thing about it is the man who was the 11-year-old coach back there, he was the coach of the 11-year-olds, now was the head of the league, and he was the one who had to hand that trophy to my son. <laughs> oh, my son loved that trophy. <laughs> Getting that, that was really winning. Uh, and I'm sure that coach never remembered the time five years earlier where they beat us. He was just interested in winning, but we were interested in winning in life. And that's what honor does. Honor says, I'm gonna take just a little bit more time. I'm gonna treat some people as special. I'm gonna value them. I think that's such an important part of honor. So the first part of our honor definition is to treat people as special. Now the second part of our honor definition is this. It's doing more than what's expected. We got this, this part of the honor definition from our understanding of Jesus and how he worked with people. Obviously an honoring guy. Um, but think about his teaching. In fact, let me take you into a passage where uh, he's doing some teaching here. He says in, in Matthew 5, 38 to 42, you have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That's what's expected. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, cheek turn to him the other also. That's doing more than what's expected. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. That's doing more than what's expected. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. That's doing more than what's expected. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. It's Jesus who said, bless those who curse you. He said, love your enemies. You see, Jesus was all about doing more than what's expected in teaching us that. Not only in his teaching, but in his practice. Do you know that when those little children wanted to come to Jesus, the others were saying, no, 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 this is an adult activity. Let's not have the children come here. But Jesus welcomed them. He honored them and allowed them. He did something more than what's expected. When the disciples came back with lunch, they saw Jesus sitting there talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman, no less, at a well. They're wondering, why is he talking to her? Because Jesus does more than what's expected. 
There was a time when Jesus and all these other people were on their path up uh, to Jerusalem on the parade, going up for the feast. And there was these two blind guys on the side of the road yelling out, Son of David! Son of David! And the crowds were saying, Be quiet, you're ruining the parade. And Jesus stops what he's doing, goes over to them, and he heals them. Jesus continually does more than what's expected. When I start talking to kids about doing more than what's expected as part of the honor definition, I say to them, um, what could you do that's more than what's expected at home? You know what they say to me? I don't know. I say, well, let me give you an example. Let's say your mom tells you to advance the laundry. And so you take all of the uh, towels out of the, out of the dryer and you put them in a basket. That's the obedience part. Now let's say you decide to honor. What would you do extra? Well, maybe you would fold them. Or maybe you would put them away. This is not just for children. Husbands would benefit from this too. <laughs> the point is, honor is this valuable thing of doing something extra. Just think. Am I the kind of person that does something extra? I mean, I try to teach families. When you leave the soccer game, you're the family that stays back and picks up the cones and the balls and puts them in the bag because we do more than what's expected. We're honoring people. It's this honor concept that's so valuable. But some children are so self-focused, so like Nikki at eight years old. She was a very, very self-focused girl. And parents knew that they needed to, to do honor therapy with Nikki. You know, when I, sometimes when parents do honor therapy, what it means is they set their watch to beep every uh, hour and say, oh, it's honor time, and send this child on a, a job to do, to think about other people or think about the house, do something and report back. Honor therapy really helps. But to introduce this idea to Nikki at age eight, they took a, uh, the sink in the kitchen and they took all the dishes out and they filled it with water. And they said, the, the sink is like our family and the water's like the energy that we need for our family to be going. And so then they would let a little water out each time they talked about things that drained energy out. Like, you know, we've got to uh, cook a meal or we've got to um, go shopping to get the food or we've got to clean up after the food's done or, or we've got to get kids in the van. You know, every time... Those things take energy. They drain energy out of family life. You know what else drains energy out of family life? Whining, complaining. There's some children who believe that if they're unhappy, they have the right to make everyone else miserable. And some of those aren't just children. The point is, we all have this challenge in our life. So then they went out the door and they, with Nikki and they said, let's look across the street over there. See that house with the fountain in front, the small fountain they have? Isn't that cool? I mean, what does the fountain do for their yard? Doesn't it make it look attractive? Then they use that example with Nikki to help her see that, ask this question, are you a drain or are you a fountain? I need to ask myself that question. Am I a drain or am I a fountain? Because sometimes when I think I probably am a drain and maybe I need to become a fountain. That's the idea of, of honor, that we're doing more than what's expected that we're contributing to the environment. I just think it's such an important concept as we're trying to help our children get this. But it's an important concept that's not just for kids. We all need this as adults so that when we go out of here, we're honoring others above ourselves. It's not a passage written for children, not in Romans chapter 12. It's a passage written for you and me, for all of us as adults. It's for young people as they're growing in their relationships in life. They learn this concept. It's of tremendous value. 
Well, let's go to the third part of the owner definition, which is to have a good attitude. And I want to take you to a passage in Philippians chapter 2 to illustrate this, because in Philippians chapter 2, all parts, all three parts of the honor definition are present in the passage. Watch this. It says, Philippians chapter 2, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. I kind of remind you of Romans 12, 10. Honor others better than your, uh, more important than yourself. So the idea here is to deal with the first part of the honor definition, treating people as special. And now the second part. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, that would be what's expected, but also to the interests of others. That's doing more than what's expected. Then comes the third part. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Now we come to this idea of attitude. And then it talks about who uh, Jesus Christ is, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And it goes on in the passage to talk about Jesus Christ. Then we come to verse 12. Verse 12 starts with therefore. Whenever you see that therefore, it tells you that we're going to get something practical out of this. In other words, we're moving forward. Then in verse 14, it says these words, do everything without complaining or arguing. Wow, since you see what honor is and all of these things, and you look at Christ as your example, then this attitude that you have is really important, and so you want to do everything without complaining or arguing. What a neat statement that it makes there. That's great. When Joanne Miller and I did the biblical studies for this and the theological studies about honor, we knew we had something. We knew we had something that every family needs, and so we wrote a book about it. And we submitted the book to the publisher, and we called it Honor, the Secret Ingredient to Family Life. Isn't that a great title? The publisher didn't think so. The publisher said, no, we can't use that title. It's not going to sell a lot of books. So we're going to change the title. So here's the name of the title of the book. Say goodbye to whining, complaining, and bad attitudes in you and your kids. Wow, what a great title. I like that. And there's a picture of a cute kid pouting on the front. And it has sold a lot of books. But the title comes from this actual passage. They wanted to draw something out of here, so they took it from verse 14, do everything without complaining or arguing. I like the title. The problem with the title is that there's some people look at the book and they say, oh, we don't have a problem with whining and complaining. I say, well, wait a minute. This is about a concept that every family needs. It's honor that transforms a family. When everyone in the family is adding energy to the family, great things happen. We want to help them grasp this. Oh, it's just such an important concept. So there you have it, a biblical understanding of, of honor. Is it optional? I don't think so. It's a command used here and in eight other commands. It's a concept we want to develop in our lives, and I know that uh, it is a challenge sometimes. When you think about doing something that's more than what's expected with others, what do you think of? See, I, I think if we go out this week and we're doing more than what's expected. I just challenge you to do this. Open a door for someone and let them come in. Or let someone cut in front of you in line. Or listen to an annoying person longer than you normally would. <laughs> That's all about honor. Oh, such an important concept that we all need to grow in in our lives. I, I just think it's so valuable. Let me tell you another way that, uh, that this was used. My son calls me. Josh calls me up and he says... This is when he's much older now. And he says, uh, I taught Hayden, his two-year-old son, my two-year-old grandson, I told him how to clean the playroom using honor. I said, oh, you got to tell me what you did. He says, well, I told Hayden to go stand on the tile, a colored tile in our living room. They lived in um, Hawaii at the time. And uh, he told him, Sit on the t stand on the tile, two years old. 
He says, look around, what's wrong in this room? It's like, you know, you have the little game with preschoolers, a paper, and he says, what's wrong on the paper? And you have a hat on a fish, so you circle that. Well, this is what's wrong in the room. And Hayden says, shoes. Josh says, fix it. So Hayden runs over and he takes the shoes and he puts them at the front door because all the shoes in Hawaii are kept at the front door or in the garage. And so then he says, go stand on the tile again. So he stands on the tile and he says, what's wrong? Hayden says, papers. Josh says, fix it. So Hayden runs over and he picks up the papers and puts them in the recycling. And then he went back in, on the tile by himself now. He wanted to keep doing this. And Josh says he did this for an hour. I'm telling you, anytime you can get a two-year-old to do anything for an hour, that's a miracle. He just loved this. In fact, Josh got tired of it first. So Josh says, okay, you've done enough honor. You're honoring. You can go. Hayden says, no, no, I want to do more. Can I go in the garage and do honor? Josh says, fine, go in the garage and do honor. So he goes out in the garage. Josh comes out later to find out that Hayden had lined up the shoes in the garage across the whole center of the garage. Obviously a two-year-old job. But the point is, he really liked it. He liked this concept of honor because he was fixing something. He was contributing. And I think this is what happens in the lives of our children. When they really learn honor, they're contributing to other people. Good things happen. It's powerful what takes place. I want you to remember this idea. And so I want you to think about, just, I want you to think about honor like giving a gift. You know, I think people need gifts in this world. We want to give out gifts in our family, give out gifts to other people. Because every time you show honor to someone, it's like giving a gift to them. So I'd like to give a gift to someone. Who would like to receive a gift? Did you raise your hand? Then come on up here. Come up those stairs right here. What's your name? Cameron, nice to meet you. Do you have any children? Um, no. No, are you married? No. Well, let's get married first before you have children. That's a really important uh, principle about family life, okay, Cameron? All right, so I'm gonna give you a, a present here. Why don't you go and open, here. Go ahead and open this up. Turn around so everybody can see it. Well, let's move you a little bit over here. There you go. Go ahead and open it up so everybody can see the gift. See, I want everybody to remember this idea of, uh, of honor. That's why I'm giving you this special gift. What is it? It's a bag of dirt. That's right, Cameron. Now, I'm giving you a bag of dirt. Do you know why I'm giving that to you? Because I want you to remember, we're supposed to honor people. Is giving someone a bag of dirt a way to honor them? Um, yeah. No. I don't think so. <laughs> You think you can think of a way to be honoring with dirt? Tell me. Um, so maybe you can honor them with dirt because um, they might not have as many plants and crops, and if you could give that to them to have food. You are a very creative guy. Can we rent you out? That would very, be very nice. All right, yes. Now, but uh, the reason I gave you dirt is because sometimes we treat people like dirt, and it's really not good, and so I wanted to illustrate that idea. Did, did you get it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to treat people like dirt. We want to honor them. Does that make sense? I'm feeling a little embarrassed that I gave you uh, dirt. So I want to give you another present here. Let let me give you this one. I'll take that paper, and you can open that gift. Let's see what that is. Chocolate. Oh, nice. Now I gave you two chocolate bars. You know why I gave you two? One for you to enjoy and eat, but another one for you when you go out this week, I want you to give that other one to somebody else and talk to them about this idea of honor, okay? Cameron, nice to meet you. I'll take the paper.
And I asked the question of, uh, in this study, of does God honor us? Hmm. And I thought, yes. When he created us, he created us in the image, the very image of God. And then sin happened in the world, and so we needed a gift, a gift of Jesus Christ to be the redemption for us so that we could be freed from the power, of, not the presence of sin, sin's around us, but freed from the power of sin when we trust Christ and we have the personal relationship with him. Wow. And he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gives us these gifts, uh, spiritual gifts that we use. He has valued us. In, you know, it describes how we come into the family of God that he's adopted us into his family. I go, wow. He's treated us as special. But does, does he do more than what's expected? Hmm. There's that verse in Romans 5 that says this. Someone might die for a righteous person. That would be what's expected. But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He did more than what's expected. Well, that's striking and amazing. And then it says... Um, and then we have this whole attitude that God gives us in life. It changes our whole attitude. See, I believe that when we, uh, we practicing honor, we're doing it as part of our sanctification process. We're not doing it in our, this is not just a psychological idea. This is because Christ has redeemed us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit and he wants us to be different people. He wants to shine that light. He says, don't hide the light, but shine that light. And honor is one of the ways that we do it because we honor God ourselves. You know, Jesus said this, really interesting, because I want you to go out and I want you to practice honor. Practice it when you get out there, uh, go to work, or maybe when you're driving to work, or maybe you're going to practice honor in your own home. It's really interesting. The home is the hardest place to practice honor. Did you know that? That's what the Bible says. Jesus says to the people, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and his own household. Wow. Honor tends to drift off in our own homes. We have to go to extra work to add that energy. And of course, God says what he requires of us, that we honor him with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. It's the mission that God has given to us. I hope you'll take this idea, honor one another above yourselves, and see it in its bigger theological concept, that it's part of who we are. It's part of our identity that God has given to us. Let's pray together. So our Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for loving us, caring for us, and honoring us. We are so grateful to be the recipients of your grace. And that word grace, another great word, is just a piece of the way that you've honored us in our lives. So Lord, today, now, we just dedicate ourselves to you again. We ask that you would be honored in everything that we do. We turn our lives over to you, Lord, and give us the faith to trust you. Trust you even as we try to honor others. We ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen.